friends, and welcome to Pod Return to the Waking Sands. We are a Final Fantasy XIV companion podcast where we explore the lore and story of Hydaelyn and beyond. My name is Jen, and I'm joined by my co-host and researcher. I'm Levi. Hello, Levi. Hello, Jen. Today, we are finally, finally concluding the Coils of Bahamut. Oh my god! This is the final part of the final coil. Yeah. Wrap it all up. But first, what happened last time, Jen? Last time, we did the, the first three turns, and... What that entailed, as I'm scrolling up through my notes here, Alize is trying to get into the the final fragment areas. We can't find a way in. Ryanje finds a way in. We're using weird experimental ether shit. Um, we get in. We fight. Uh, I'm do good. We fight Kalia in in the fake the moon within the moon, um, and then uh, finally we um, meet Louisois. Um, we throw some fucking truth truth bombs at him, and he turns into a phoenix, and we beat him, and they have a very nice little family chat at the end, but now we have to go on to finally kill Bahamut. That was a very succinct recap. Thank you, yes, Jen. Yes, I'm trying. And as you can probably tell, I am still getting over my illness because it's been one day since the last recording, <laughs> so my voice will still be a bit messed up <laughs> and apparently crack. Mm-hmm. From time to time. Yep, I heard it. <laughs> so, Louis-Swa, having been freed from Bahamut's grasp, has just given us a transport to the bridge of the final coil. We can just hop across the regeneration chamber Boop. and we will arrive on there, prepared to turn off the final internment hulk and put this thing to bed once and for all. Yeah, man. Except... <laughs> As we are standing right by the controls for the last internment hulk, Alize declares that she will banish Bahamut back into the ether once and for all. She prepares to act. But Bahamut roars and mm. summons a blast of energy. The primal is conscious, apparently. Yeah, it's he's he's gotten to that point in the regeneration process, and that's terrifying. Um, and this explosion is really is really big. Like it, it fucks them up. Um, like they got holes in their clothes. They're all like dirty. You know, this is, this is a big deal. The primal prepares for another attack. Alice wonders, is this the end? Mm. But no, she recalls Louisois' words. She will honor her promise to her grandfather. She will find her own reason to fight and will not let Bahamut consume all that she knows and loves. You must needs find your own reason to fight for this realm. Your own meaning in this sea of chaos. Will you do that for me? I will, Grandfather. In fact, I believe I already have. That reason has been with me all along, guiding me. Eorzea's blade of light, shearing through endless shrouds of darkness. I have been shown the miraculous feats of which we are all capable. Of which I am capable. So using her arcanist tome, a gift from Louisois, mm-hmm. she conjures a force field. And we see a vision of Louisois besides her, as though he's helping her to maintain the barrier. It, like, 
the summon is Louis Wa. Yeah. Yeah. That's like I mean he'll he'll show up for us regular folk as uh Phoenix, but uh for Elise he shows up as Louis Wa. Right. Because it's been a week in episode years. When Louis Swa perished, he bestowed the essence of the phoenix, the phoenix eggy, upon the twins. Yep. Alfino, hardened by Alice's conviction, steps up as well, opening his codex, preparing to reinforce Alice's shield as the primal blasts away at us. But as he prepares to join his energies to Alice's, the books fly up out of the twins' hands. Beams of energy connect them. And the two tomes combine into one, fitting together like a key. Yeah. The twins, completely unfazed by this development, cry out simultaneously Mm -hmm. for the future of Eorzea (laughs) and channel the combined tome's power into us, the warrior of light. Hell yeah. Sending us beaming towards Bahamut, right into the primal's heart. More beams of light follow ours, presumably the other seven Our adventurer faceless friends, adventurers yes. who are joining us. Yeah, so we're going to fight Bahama in his own heart. Before then, Jen. Oh. Before then, Jen. Oh. I do feel bad nitpicking this dramatic scene, and I do love it. But also, <laughs> the secret power of Louis Swa's twin tomes being the ability to beam someone into the heart of an elder primal okay seems no awfully specific. you don't have to get that fucking pedantic with it like um all right children grandchildren what my power is going to be with these two books combined is the ability <laughs> to beam someone into the heart of a big thing i know that seems real specific but trust me you'll need it like no no get out of here it's it's probably a little bit more flexible than that I'm just it's gonna, just that's my combined. Their powers are greater. I'm sure. You're, anyway, you are right, Jen. But <laughs> it does seem a little strange because that is not anything that matches up to a summoner or scholar power in any capacity. Not only that, it takes a bit of a leap of something to conceive of transporting your champion 100%. into the heart of a primal to Cor- fight the primal. Right. So, of all the places we could fight this thing, it's in there. We're not going to fight it out here. Or, like, fly around it? Or in the hollow deck? Yeah. It, you know? No, it's... it's. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody was like, absolutely, we're going to the heart. Duh. There it is. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's one it's of those magical. things it's that magical. really only works in <laughs> narrative fiction. Indeed. Who's going to come up with the idea on the fly of, like, let's beam people inside this giant fucking purple in a rock. heart yeah, into right. this rock and see what happens? <laughs> <laughs> we're all going to die. But it does pass the vibe check, so it's all good. Correct. I I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, yep, absolutely. That seems normal. So inside the heart, we appear in a pseudo reality. We're on a rough disc of wrought metal with an ornate branching pattern of flat metal that expands out from the center of the disc. It's floating. The whole thing is floating in a dark void with a horizon of bright cyan light. There are some abstract fragments of gold metal that float about through the void and Bahamu waits for us fully intact though this cognitive and or spiritual version of Bahamut is much smaller compared to us than right. the real thing. Right. He's more of like a manageable size. He is not to scale. Yes, yeah. or we're not to scale. Something. One yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, the power of beaming us into a heart also made us huge. Yep. He's still huge, though, not as huge. Correct. And it's time for the fight against Bahamut. Bah, 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 bah. 
So during this, answers place. And the thought it, of if you were progging this for hours on end. Oh, my God. And hearing that song nonstop. I mean, what they did, though, which I find neat, is at every phase, the music also changes its phase. Like, you will get to a different chorus that the music will become um, more fleshed out and the, the, the song will begin, will also develop. So, I mean, if... And we did this when we were when we were doing it. We were standing there at the beginning for quite some time, talking about whatever the fuck. And so, the, like the very beginning of that song just kept going and going and going. It just looped on itself. Just just the very beginning of it. And I was like, why isn't this song like hitting its bridge or whatever? Like, why isn't it? And that's. But when you get into the fight, you realize, oh, it moves up along with the fight. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really cool, but at the same time. That like those first however many measures of that song, you will hear those a lot. And I don't care how good that song is. Like when we were doing Savage, and I think the last fight had some pretty rad ass music. And for quite some time we were like, no, music still slaps. Love it. Um, but towards the end there, I was like, I- I'm actually starting to hate this too. Yeah. So it seems if this were a normal raid difficulty fight, you'd be in here, maybe wipe once or twice and be done absolutely excellent it would feel great but for something on par with savage difficulty (laughs) having to come here you know day after day to prog this stuff as you know one would if you were without echo without like the five eye level Mm -hmm. bump because this thing's like eye level 130 i think yeah which is almost the very top of a realm reborn that's that's, yeah that's you maxed out essentially except the weapon here is 135 135. Mm -hmm. which i think almost all of us had it well okay no Everybody, there were two I level forget. fifty characters in the fight. Everyone else was like else ninety was, or something. Yeah, shit. Well, that's right. Because we were doing it as our characters, which are level fifty, keeping it real. Uh, so yeah, we're working with an eye level of like one thirty one. Yeah, yeah. Again, it seems like a bold move to risk the impact of the song on that much repetition. That's all I'm saying. For sure, I know it's. It is what it is. It is what it is. We still love the song, but... Sure, but you were in, in there for an hour, It was though. a lot of, like, the first bit of that song, and yeah. that just gets really but tiring. But again, we, we did not clear the fight. Spoiler. We got to the last phase, and we called it good enough after an hour or so of mm-hmm. progging. Yeah, because this was, again, we had done all four turns in one go, and so we were we were at about, like, hour, like, three and a half. We had scheduled three hours. We were, like, we... we surveyed the group like hey can anybody stay a little bit after the scheduled time and everybody was like yup um and so we did so that's like we gave ourselves one instance timer to get this done and if we didn't then we'll call it good yep exactly. i think it was a fair and yeah so we got to the last phase and uh we called it but that saw all the mechanics which was the main goal to all of my children in whom life This fight, it's kind of odd. It's less complicated, I think, than some of the earlier fights in this coil, but also it's really punishing. I don't remember it. Oh my god. (laughs) Right? I remember the music. (laughs) Well, let's get to it. There are dive bombs, right? So, um, 
There, there are dive bombs. Correct. Yeah. Good job. Called it. Phase one. Boy. First off, the tank busters in this thing really suck. It is nonstop tank punishment here. We are having to have the tanks use their invulns to soak like regular tank busters and swap in between like mid tank buster to spread the hits around because they hit nonstop. There is an attack called Flare Breath, which is a um, cone of Dragonfire that goes out in front of Bahamut, which hits for a ton. And then he like blasts them two or three times, I think, in a row or something like that. Uh, I wasn't taking this one, so I was not intimately familiar. But also, I recall from when we were doing this on Blue Mage that he will like chain Tank Busters together a lot. And they just pop out of nowhere, too. There's no cast bar, whatever. It's just like, here we go, have a Flare Breath. Here you go, have a flatten. So I was just listening to the the previous, not 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 the one we did yesterday, um, but uh, second coil part two, and you had this 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 same deal in that shit, where it was like untelegraphed, un uncast barred, uh, tank busters that you had to invuln for. Yes, uh, that was for nail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these though they are relentless. So your tank swapping back and forth constantly to try and mitigate this damage. And not have a tank die because if you let a tank soak the full series of attacks, I think that there's they're just dead. You can't <laughs> heal through it. So anyway, there's the flare breath and flattened tank busters. Then in this phase, there is mega flare, which is a spread then stack mechanic. What's going to happen is that Bahamut will cast mega flare. You'll spread out. You get splash damaged, whatever. And then a few people will get marked by like a ring like marker. Those people must stack up to soak these hits. If you're not marked with the stack marker, then you will die if you try to stack. <laughs> yeah. So only ring stack. That's it. Yeah. This this goes on throughout the fight just yep. all the time. Yep. Yeah. So make a flare. Spread. All these things happen throughout the entire fight, <clears throat> except for the next one, which is Earthshaker, which gets a break in the ad phase. So Earthshaker is another mechanic which we see first here and it appears multiple times throughout the game. This marks people with like a weird symbol over their heads. It's hard to describe. It's very ornate. It's like some oh, sort of it, talisman. Is it, is it like the like the arabesque looking? Like yeah. it's kind of like a baroque 3D cage sort of deal. Yes. Yeah. That. Okay. Those players will get hit sequentially with line AOEs. And they'll also drop a puddle where they were beforehand. So you both have to right. spread out so you're not hitting other players. You'll with go them. to yeah separate areas in the arena on the perimeter and try to plant these things so that they're not fucking up the arena where yep. everybody else is. Because they will persist for quite some time. Yes. And they hit really hard. And you have to be healed while being hit by these because... Yeah, they will fuck you up. They will kill someone if they're not healed mid-Earthshaker. Correct. And the timing, actually, it took me a couple of times to kind of figure out... Because, again, it's not very clear when... Um, like when the snapshot takes place because um, it's not like the symbol goes away or you just have to kind of like count down in your own head or feel it out. So the thing goes down and you've got to like, yeah, it was it was hard to calibrate. Yeah, you've got to scoot forward a few feet and then be hit by the second one, scoot forward and so on. Yeah, uh, it, there was eh, anyway, it was, yeah, it was a little dicey. Yep. After you do that for a while, uh, it is time for the phase change. The boss casts Giga Flare. Which is a mm. giant raid wide. Yeah, everybody mit, 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 mit. Yep. It's a tough one. Of course, the flares are Bahamut's signature skills. Indeed. Uh, Mega Flare, Giga Flare, Ankh Morn, Terra Flare. <laughs> Terra Flare. 
Or is it Tetra? One of the two. I think, I think it's, it's Tetra. There. We'll find out. We'll find out. It's coming soon. Okay, so now we get ads. The ads will tether to Bahamut and strengthen, so the off-tank needs to book it to the ad spawn and grab them before they come for the party. They're likely to beeline for a healer and kill a healer if they're not aggroed ASAP, because the healers are healing constantly. Thank you, our healers. Oh my god, yeah. What a terrible job <laughs> to do in this raid series. So, um, grab the ad, kill the ad, and then we get Flare Star. These are orbs that will appear in the arena, and they will tether to a certain player. Other players must intercept these orbs and tank them. However, you cannot get more than two of these orbs. You get like a stacking debuff. Yeah. Because if you get more than two, you'll be killed by the next raid wide. So you've got to kind of have the various party members spread out who soaks these little orbs. Yeah. And also, they explode in like a big, not big, like a, a medium-sized AoE. Yeah. So if somebody takes it and um, they're you know a couple yams away from somebody else that other person will also get hit by it and also get the debuff which is totally not what you want to do right because it means more damage and more healing needed when the phase changes yeah and fewer people who can take yep. another hit there were people trying to both soak the same orb so they'd both be running towards it and oh, because of like no. the, the small Communicate. server lag, you know sure you yeah. couldn't tell who was first yep so you'd both go for the thing it'd pop and give both and now players both the of you got a thing yeah yep. That mechanic gets checked by Rage of Bahamut. This is the raid wide that deals damage based on how many stacks of the Flare Star debuff you have. So that repeats. You get some more ads coming out, and then we're on to the real ad phase. Now we get dive bombs, our old friend. Fabulous. With these dive bombs, there will be both Bahamut and Twintania. No, it's just a, a normal. Dragon of Maricidia. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So there'll be two dive bomb markers that come out in quick succession. What you got to do is you got to all stack up in the exact center of the arena. Honestly, I'm going to just say this is probably the easiest dive bomb mechanic to deal with. In all of the dive bomb mechanics we've encountered in coils, this one is the easiest. I agree once you know the secret. Yes. Okay. But Continue. the thing is, though, that you must hold. So it's like the hold, hold, go type yeah. thing. Yeah. Because. When the first dive bomb marker goes out, you do not want to leave. You want to stay put and the bait second the second bomb. dive bomb from the Dragon of Maricidia. Yeah, because you want both of these dive bombs to intersect the center so you know where the fuck they're going. Yes. Um, and then you just run, the party, the party will split, and some will go left, some will go right, to in, in whatever safe zone. The way it works is that you got to dodge the Bahamut dive bomb first, so you will dodge the flank of Bahamut's path. And then you have to dodge to the flank of the Dragon of Maricidia's dive bomb. Right. So which means you have to be looking around the arena, looking for where these attackers are as you're evading the dive bombs. There's, there is enough time, like, if you fuck up and you don't know where the other dive bomb, like, is going to happen, at a, at a minimum, even if you go to, like, to the left or the right, because the Bahamut, you're facing him. So he's just, you're going to go, you know exactly... His shit is going to be right down the middle. So you're going to go left or you're going to go right. And even if the other dragon dive bombs at like, let's say 10 o'clock and Bahamas at 12, um, you still have that. I just hit the mic. You still have that tiny little pizza slice there. And then you can move in to where Bahamut just dive bombed and you should be okay. In my opinion. Engine's opinion. Because that I think that happened to me a couple times. You know, like there's sometimes the the second dragon creates a like a t much tighter safe space. But I think yes. there's enough time you can just scooch. If you get hit, though, you'll be knocked back into the arena's death wall. <laughs> and also, if 
you mess up the bait mechanic or if too many people get hit, you will fail the phase and have to restart because this whole phase is one big DPS check effectively. The ads will keep spawning in nonstop succession on a timer. They don't care about your schedule. They'll <laughs> keep coming out when they come out. Mm-hmm. So uh, after we dodge the dive bombs, we get our first ads. Essentially, during the phase, we'll get a bunch of fucking dragons coming out. There are a lot. There are big dragons and small dragons and dragonflies and all these stuff. They all come out. Mm-hmm. You might need to split some of them, focus one, whatever. You're okay if people are alive. You've got enough damage. However, if people are dying to either the dragons oh, or to the dive bombs, yeah. you are screwed because they will keep on spawning and they will overwhelm you easily. Indeed. So hopefully you get your stuff dodged and you keep on top of the ads during the ads phase. Eventually, after two more dive bombs, there will be a Terra Flare. That is the name of the mechanic, Jin. Terra Flare. All right. So you all stack up in the middle of the arena and you get another Neuralink coming out. The same oh, thing from yeah. turn five, where you have that kind of black staticky area that reduces damage. You stack up inside the Neuralink and with that, plus a lot of mid, you can survive the enormous raid wide of the Terra Flare. Yep. This is Bahamut's ultimate attack. When he unleashes this, this has like the multitude of tendrils of light that fly over the place and the entire screen will go white. When your vision is restored, the previously blue horizon, cyan horizon, is now replaced by a blazing red (sighs) void. And this is when the music really kicks up. Yeah. We're now into the final phase, which is for half of Bahamut's health bar. So on top of all of the earlier attacks we mentioned, now we get Akmorn, which is a multi-hit tank buster. Yeah. They also tether to a player. If they're in range, they will help to soak the damage from this attack. So you want to grab the tether. The other, the other tank wants to grab this tether and bring it to the main tank so they can split that damage. The Mega Flares continue too, the one where you have to spread and then the people with a ring stack, but also there'll be tower markers as well, which you want to have someone be inside to soak the damage before the tower goes off and will explode for massive damage. So as always, soak the towers, stack the ring markers. And then we get more Earthshakers with a twist. Now we get a new mechanic within this called Tempest Wing. This causes the Earthshakered players to get twisters our old friend. <gasps> yeah. So they have to make sure they do not bring their twisters to other players while they're resolving that mechanic until after the twisters get dropped safely, then they can return. That's it. It's all those mechanics repeated for the rest of the fight. Sounds easy. It's not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, like I said, um, this is not super complex. There are not tons of individual mechanics. They're just very punishing. So if you mess them up slightly, whatever, you're going to lose someone and then you will death spiral very quickly. Mm-hmm. If you lose a tank or healer, you might just have to wipe it because you'll be below that very minimal threshold God. of survivability. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It's not like there's a lot to a lot going on, um, but everything is so heavy, which is fair, you know. It's yeah, Bahamut. So, once we survive all that and defeat Bahamut, then Ooh, yeah, uh, we emerge from his heart, rejoining the twins on the platform, the control platform for the coil. We turn around to take in the primal's body, and just one task remains, disabling the coil. Alize turns off the device, and the final beam of energy dissipates. The regeneration chamber goes dark, and the primal's body dissolves, except for its heart. The giant purple crystal hangs in space for a moment until it too breaks up, dissipating into a cloud of ether. And now it's done. Yeah. Bahamut is truly gone. All of Bahamut is now destroyed. I mean, there's there is a relief and finality to this, and like you know, this is this is Alize's story, frankly. Um, but this is when she like holds out her hand, and a moat of etheric, uh, an, eth- an ethereal moat falls into her hand. You know, like a little snowflake, and like she's she's holding this proof of salvation in her hand. I I just like that moment. That's all. Nice. Yeah. So now that the threats are finally gone, or so we think. Oh my god. Alize rounds on Elfino and challenges him. He knew all along that Louis Swa had become a primal, didn't he? He's like, I I mean, yeah. <laughs> he didn't know, but he no, suspected. But yeah. He picked up on it relatively quickly, but yeah. He's like, it's math. It's abundant ether and abundant prayer. What do you think is going to happen? Two and two yeah. equals, I mean, yeah. You know, he had the luxury, of, I guess, of coming to that conclusion because his mind wasn't addled by grandpa. So, Addled might be a strong term, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> Alize had grandpa Clouded fever. by grandpa, yeah. <laughs> Alize realizes that Alfino's fears about her attachment to Louis Swa were because of his belief that Louis Swa was a primal. And mm. he was afraid that she'd become tempered by him. Yeah, yeah. But he still, even with that fear, which would mean, like, his sister is completely fucking doomed, he still, I mean, considering who he is and the level of threat involved with that theory, he still kind of stayed at arm's length, really. He still just kind of stepped back and let things happen to a degree, as far as, as much as Alfino could. So I guess I have to give him credit for that. You know, he didn't. He didn't jump in and, and take the reins away from Alize, so he still had faith in her, but the danger was very real. He was, however, scheming and prodding from behind the scenes. Plus, he gave us our talking to during Second Coil, where he's like, hey, right, you in, know. In, in Alder Springs. You, Warrior yeah. of Light, keep an eye on her, please. I'm like, well, we're, we're fine. She's fine. But yeah, so like he had concerns, but he didn't, he didn't jump in and, you know, force her to take a seat. So Alphano wonders... Will Alize share the truth of the calamity? And she replies, no. Absolutely not. If people learn what happened, they may offer up their prayers in earnest exactly. to the phoenix. People would soon offer up their prayers in earnest. They would beseech phoenix to complete the healing that was begun. Yet as you and I know all too well, the very act of calling forth this savior would do more harm to the land than good. We cannot encourage such worship for this very reason. Were Grandfather forced to return as an ether-draining primal, it would undo all that he had worked to protect. 
Your abiding love for him was the key that unlocked the truth of the Calamity. But keys may also serve to seal doors that were best left unopened. Let your love now guide your actions, and lock away deep inside the fate of both Grandfather and Bahamut. I mean, yeah, the temptation for people to be like, oh my god, Louis Wall is a primal. I need to pray to him for a variety of reasons. Every time they, they feel threatened or they feel the rebels being threatened, yes, suddenly he'd become a lightning rod for Eorzean prayers, and then we'd have to deal with resurrected fucking Louis Wall Phoenix all the time. There is no way anybody could know about this. And so, as Elisei's love for Louis Swaw was the key that unlocked the truth of the calamity, the same key can seal away this knowledge. Well, look at that. This is looping right back into Alfino's speech to himself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all coming up Alfino. <laughs> and he starts hitting her kind of hard here, really leaning on her um, a bit and getting back to kind of shitty Alfino. Because he starts saying, if Alice loves Louisois, she should make sure she preserves his legacy by concealing this dangerous truth. If you really love grandpa, then you're going to do what I say. Uh, well, and the thing is, it's again, it's it's just, it's, he's, he's patronizing as fuck. Like she easily came to the same conclusion. She's not a fucking idiot. And she calls him out on this too. She's like, yeah. I, I know what you're doing, Alpha No, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm already on board. So you can, you can yeah, shut knock it. it off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, not our first rodeo. <laughs> yeah. So we emerge for the final time from Dalamud's talons. And Alize right now has the quest marker, but if we talk to Alfino, he's got some words. Mm. In spite of your presence, he says, you being us, the warrior of light, I must confess that there were moments when I feared the worst. But in the end, you plucked us from the flames and bore us safe onto victory, just as you always have. And as for Alize, I have never been more proud to call her my sister. Wow. Oh, that's very sweet. That's why you got to click on the... The bystanders, Jin. Um, I, I know, right? I, I've been trying to do that more because, um, especially if I feel like a little bit more emotionally invested in what's going on, it feels weird to just like walk away from a group of people that I just, you know, that we've we've trauma bonded. So I've been doing that more, and it's it's usually it makes you feel better. Yeah, it offers closure. Yes. Now, Alize bids us to return to Orianje who is doubtlessly worried about us over at the Cerulean processing plant. Well, like we get there and he's like, hey, what's up? I don't remember. I don't remember the dialogue between us and Ariange. I just remember when the twins join us. He just says, hey, what's up? And then they show up. Right. Okay, much. cool. So, yeah, we meet up with Ariange and then the twins come strolling up and they look like hell. Let's be honest. Ariange is immediately like, holy shit, what happened to you two? And I need to I need to make some salve and blah, blah, blah. And Elise just laughs at him. She's like, I, I promise you we are fine. Um, and, you know, we have some minor wounds, but our, our greatest hurts have been healed already, thanks to grandfather. Now as the twins are now relaying their plan to Ariange about shutting down entrances to the fragments getting the alliance leadership on board to you know we're we're kind of keeping alliance leadership in the dark here as well like this is on a need to know basis and frankly they don't need to know they just need to know that the threat has been dealt with bahamut is no more don't ask any questions close off the fragments forever and ever and ever do not let anybody else down there then it becomes you know alfino's job 
which he volunteers for. And Alize is like, why are you doing this to keep me out of your diplomacy shit? And he's like, I love dis- diplomacy and you don't. Why wouldn't I do this? And she's like, fine. Um, that is that is a hell of a summary of. No, that's what happens. Yeah, that's that's what happens. It's pretty cute. Um because he's like, well, you know, let me let me talk to Alliance leadership. And she's like, why do you keep cutting me out of that shit? And he's like, because you hate it. <laughs> and I kind of like it. And I'm kind of good at it. Okay, fine. Alize has taken charge of this whole thing. She's been through quite a bit. Yes, Alfino has been doing some behind the scenes fuckery and kind of, you know, keeping half an eye on things. But this is definitely Alize's jam. And this is her story. Her, her, not, I don't know if it's like a coming of age. Um, but it's close. So Alfino and Orianger are going to go and do diplomatic shit. They're going to tell the Alliance leadership, you know, close all this stuff off. As Alfino and Orianger go to walk away, Alize calls after him. Hey, though our paths are different, we share the same goal, do we not? I thought this was... She, like, she hates when her brother gets all up in her shit but she's still trying so hard for his like approval that to know that they're like on on the same page like she kind of needs that from him um despite us witnessing their dynamic i thought this was a really i don't know kind of like a, a a really vulnerable moment for her to like to check in and he says of course whatever Whatever path we choose to take, our hearts will always lead us to the same end. And, like, great. And she seems extremely relieved by this. And then she turns to us, the Warrior of Light, and she says, there's a place that I would like to visit. Um, would you accompany me? And that place is the Burning Wall. So Alice excuses herself to change out of her beaten She's and battered clothes. Up, yeah. And we jump over to the Burning Wall again. And Alice shows up now with a makeover. <laughs> She's wearing a white tunic with red accents now. Right. It's red elf. Finally out of the twin garb. <laughs> right. One of those rare moments we don't, we, we see her in something that isn't her like uniform. She notes that even though we disable the Hulk, the corrupted crystal and the fragments of Dalamud will still stand. Yeah. She was like, I, like, you know, you kind of half expect, you know, and like, this is, this is, I guess, like the trope in these in like a cinematic aspect where you like beat the big boss and suddenly everything the big boss had done just kind of magically disappears from everywhere. So if the boss had unleashed some kind of like vine plague on the planet, you beat the boss, vine plague, poof, gone. And all the cities are back to normal and people can go back to their houses, whatever. So it's kind of funny that, not really funny, but but interesting that she kind of touches on a weird like, real-world cinematic trope, you know? But anyway, so she's like, you have to have expected to be gone, but of course it wouldn't be. The landscape will will persist, and it will look like this long after we're gone. Yes. Yeah. And at this point, a mother and child pass by, heading to a holy site, a stone etched with the symbol of Azema. I believe this is also one of the 12 prayer sites before the Calamity mm. for the, um, the pilgrimage. Yep. And so life goes on, Alice says. The conversation moves on now to Alfino's task of covering up what we learned. Yeah, it's a cover up. <laughs> but for all the right reasons. Though Alice agrees with the deception, 
She mourns that nobody will know of our triumph over Bahamut. We're chill, though. Yeah. We take a walk to an overlook in the Burning Wall, one of the upper tendrils of corrupted crystal that looms over a chasm. And Alize holds a flower in her hands. I think this is an Amean lily, as is tradition. She says, For Grandfather, Nail, and the dragons of Mericidia, for all who were taken by the Calamity. And she offers the flower to the wind. Well, she places it on the ground and steps back. And then the wind takes it. My Bijan. Yes. It's a little different. Right. It's a little subtly different. So she, she places it there, but then... You know, the universe decides, I'll take that. Thank you. And it floats. So we're standing on a cliff that has an unobstructed view to the entrance of the fragment. And this is, then that's where, that's where the flower starts to float towards. It's great. It's poetry. She turns to us. And this is when she starts to tell us about her plans for herself moving forward. Um, that... You know, when the dust settles on this whole thing, she's going to start a new adventure. And she's going to be searching for her reason to fight for Eorzea. And we're going to go on, us being the Warrior of Light, we're going to go on and continue helping people, growing stronger um, as we do. And maybe someday she can be Eorzea's sword in the darkness, as we are. Not only that, she will not be outdone by Elfido. But she says this kind of like as a joke because we both chuckle at this. Like, yeah, man. Like, this is this is very, this is very tongue in cheek. Like, she gets it. You know, we're all aware of the dynamic. And when next we meet, she promises not to disappoint us. I'm like, how could she ever? And we now give her, in response to this, the dorkiest fucking thumbs up <laughs> ever. Hey, <laughs> just. Maybe shut the fuck up and just smile like you do. No. Smile and nod. Arm out, <laughs> thumb up. Yeah. How embarrassing. Yeah. For us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. And that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> that final note. That's it. Yeah. We and we walk away in opposite directions. Bye. Us cringing to ourselves. Why do we do that? Uh, We have no regrets. We're the fucking warrior of light. Oh. We can thumbs up anybody we want, whatever we want. So I I watched um, because this cutscene happened when we were running with the group. I had to kind of just like click 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 click, and I had to go back and watch somebody else do it. Um, Use the fucking unending journey. I forget completely that that exists. It's easier than YouTube. It's Is right it? in your inner room. Oh, yep. I never used it, so I've I never think and about you can it. See yourself blah, blah, in there blah. too. I feel like we had this conversation while we were in this the fucking scenario. We did. Yes. Okay. Uh. So the the person I was watching more like unjending journey. Oh my god! No, it's not unjending journey yet because Jen hasn't fucking. That's why it's read un-gen. It. Okay. <laughs> Good one. So the the video that I watched, the guy went and he talked to all of the uh, grand company representatives that Alize had hired to just get their their you know 
report on how things are going. They all say the same thing, essentially, which is just like, all right, no, uh, per Alliance leadership, we have now closed off the entrance to the blah, blah, blah. Way to go. The lieutenant in Falgord Float, however, had a little bit more to say because because she knows, she's like, it is a burden to know what happened down there and to not be able to share it and not be able to like loudly rejoice about it because obviously I can't, it, it is <laughs> super mega top secret. And then this guy, he goes back to the Waking Sands and checks in with Oriange. It this isn't this isn't like a quest bit. He just goes for small talk, which is a thing we never select when we're going to talk to somebody. Oh, would you like to continue this quest or do you want a small talk? And we're like, we're never small talking. But he did that. And I think Oriange had a an Oriange type like wrap up to uh the calamity and the end of the seventh umbral era. He had he had quite a bit to say, actually. If I may. Please. Okay. So, uh, in the abyssal depths of the dread primal's domain, thou didst cast light upon the truth of Eorzea's rebirth. Yet until such time as lasting peace doth visit the realm, that knowledge must needs remain locked inside our hearts. And though the veil hath been lifted from many and more mysteries, the haze which shroudeth the people's memory of the calamity yet eludeth explanation. I have but half-formed theories, which I would share with thee if thou art willing to listen. Like, oh, here we go. This is cool. We don't really ever touch on why people can't remember the calamity and shit like that immediately preceded, you know? Um, so when the combined might of the Twelve failed to contain Bahamut, Master Louisois mustered what strength remained to him and entrusted our hope unto the future. Tis my belief that he invoked the power of the Keeper, and sent Eorzea's champions to a place outside of time, beyond the reach of the primal's wrath. Taken whence they rightly existed, these individuals did leave behind a rent in the fabric of reality. And at the self-same juncture, Master Louisois struck down Bahamut, thus triggering the realm's dramatic regeneration. The occurrence of these events in rapid succession, I theorize, gave rise to the people's clouded recollection of the calamity. Alas... There is no known way to restore those lost memories. Let it be enough that the seventh umbral era is truly over, and the people may finally turn towards a brighter future, assured in the knowledge that a new warrior of light walketh with them. Nice. I think that's that was a lovely. I I I really loved Alize's kind of, you know, hike and kind of wrapping up her own thoughts and communicating with herself like her next steps i i really liked that as a wrap-up but i think this tied it up in a very pretty little scholarly bow on that note jumping off that jen thank you for the setup i did want to say that in a way this is really the highly optional conclusion to the story that began in final fantasy 14 1.0 right because this finally puts to a close to a we now know enough the big mysteries have been lifted for us at least and we can now move forward knowing that the effects of the calamity and the um, lingering dangers are now gone right Th this in cap including this very you know dramatic final showdown with bahamut this is like the end to a realm reborn in a sense yeah not necessarily the level 50 quest the ultimate weapon no totally agree Totally agree. Um, the ultimate weapon, that's 
solidly a Realm Reborn shit. That's like how we get started on our bullshit. And Binding Coils is how 1.0 bullshit gets gets yep. wrapped up and It's like clarified. the filling in the sandwich that is the Final Fantasy XIV original story. If the bread yes, is, is yes. 1.0 yes. on the bottom and then coils on top. Coils on top. Then the ultimate weapon's the meat in the middle. Yeah, it's it's part of it. Uh, but it's not it's not the it's not the envelope, let's say. I just said that. Or, no, it is it is it, yes. Yes. You know, uh, you know how how a normal person refers to the bread in a sandwich as its envelope. Anyway. But really though, <laughs> even though at the end of a realm reborn as in the 2.0 story the leaders of the Erosian city-states declare that the Umbral Era is over and the Astral Era has begun. That's really just like a political move. Just like, okay, we're going to oh, mark this as a day. Correct. But honestly, this feels more like Arianje was saying, this is the end of the Umbral Era. Bahamut is gone once and for all. The ether that was pent up in Bahamut that had been invoked during the summoning of the Twelve this is now free to return to the land. It can now truly begin to heal. Mm -hmm. So this feels to me like the actual end to the Umbral era. 100%. Totally. Yeah. They didn't, you know, it, it was an appropriate time to like usher that in psychologically, but functionally, this is where it ends. Yeah. 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 The secret end to the seventh Umbral era. Yeah. And we're one of 12 people that know about it. I'm saying 12 because that's, that's the magic number. It is. Mm -hmm. With that done, we can now also, with coils done, we can note the conclusion to the end of an era FMV that we talked about during the Battle of Cartano episode and also briefly last episode. So a follow-up FMV was published after coils, which included the sequence which we saw during our talk with Louis Soie when we defeated him in his phoenix form. So this full, I think 12 or so minute long FMV called Flames of Truth, this combines the Battle of Cartanoe, Bahamut, Crashdown, plus Phoenix into one giant sequence. Nice. And a single narrative piece. So you can search for Flames of Truth on YouTube or whatever and see everything together in one solid sequence. Love it. Highly recommend. Yes, definitely. It'll feed your soul. It will feed your soul indeed. <laughs> Speaking of things that feed souls or rather will not, that will eat your soul. There's like a like a Final Fantasy XIV advertisement out there. And it, it's a commercial. And it is like a bunch of random ass, like dork ass players in... I don't know, like costumes showing up in Cartano, and there's like Louis Swa. It's it's such a bastardization of this whole moment in service of an ad for Final Fantasy fourteen. It's deeply upsetting, and I I kind of love cringe shit like that. Like I I love bad movies, but this this is insulting to Louis Swa's memory and all who died on Cartano Flats. So, I mean, watch at your own risk, but, like, good God, who greenlit that shit? Like, it couldn't have been the people, you know, the, the devs that I respect <laughs> and enjoy. Like, there's no way. It had to have been, like, some shit fuck suit at Square Enix that was like, yeah, yeah, let, let these random ass 
dork boys in their little costumes feel like they're part of a history. The, the commercial <laughs> that Jen's talking about has like an in-game rendered Louis Swa giving a dramatic speech to a bunch of Voices office weird. workers or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's like it's us, you know, yeah. the, the assholes sitting in the desk chair at the computer and we're all like lined up around the battlefield thinking that we're special and Louis Swa is sitting there telling us that we're special. It's gross. I hate it. Anyway, that exists. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. So I wanted to repost, respeak, whatever, <laughs> a, a Discord post from one of our members here, one of our listeners, about the uh, kind of real world tie-ins to Bahamut. Again, have not vetted, but um, we'll trust this person to, to know their stuff because I do not know this stuff. It's interesting. It's a jumping off point. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of the underground cavern in which we see Bahamut's regenerating body, this ties back to the real-world mythology of Bahamut, from which the in-game creature derives his name. So Bahamut, in Quranic cosmology, was the base layer of the support structure upholding the Earth. And the mythological of Bahamut is a vast fish upon which stands a bull, upon whose shoulders is an angel who upholds the world. And seeing Bahamut underground like this resonates with that kind of, you know, backbone of the earth Especially because when we first see remnants of his physical form in that very first chamber, it's like the, the, um... like the bones of his wings that are literally tied to the earth via these bridges of crystal and rock. So very evocative. Right. This listener had said that the crystals entombing him kind of evoke the supportive nature of the great fish. Pretty cool. Love that. And like we know, we know that the devs pull very heavily from mythology very well, obviously heavily. and but like they, they don't discriminate it's like all either, of it it's either all inspired it. by or kind of bastardizing in some cases but sure um but at the same time it's like these you know so many the names of people's people places and things they they resonate sometimes like subconsciously like it, it feels significant in a way that maybe we can't pinpoint and like that post encapsulates exactly why I have that feeling sometimes playing this game. Because you know, you know, these names are referential, but they're not done accidentally. It's not like they're just pulling fancy ass old timey names out of a bag. They're applying them appropriately to things that are like narratively adjacent um, or, you know, philosophically, whatever. So I, I love that so much about this game. Well, the last thing I want to talk about, Jen, today is the whole grand company thing, which we had kind of talked around last time. Right. Those random immortal flames guys. And you're like, what the fuck? Well, we solved that mystery, Jen. (laughs) I thought so, too. But so here's the thing. This whole. It's very kind of odd, frankly. Alice wanted to keep everyone out of this thing. She wanted Coils to be her baby, her project, right? Mm-hmm. Even though this is something that she, she knew from d- the very beginning mm-hmm. affected everyone. she This isn't something that you can do alone. This is Alizé's major personality flaw. Let me do it myself. Let me do it myself. Girl, you cannot do it yourself. You need help. Try to find a balance there. So that this is totally her thing. Yeah, I would call that a very selfish act, frankly. And if we had not succeeded, that would be like catastrophically selfish 
if she had decided yeah, to yeah i mean yeah, she's she's working out some shit like if we had but, died but like in a it, really dramatic way if we had died down there then fuck everyone because bahamut's gonna come back to life and then fuck pretty much that is a huge frankly like fuck up and sin on her part that this whole you know this is my my baby fuck you alpha no you're not gonna know about what i'm doing because i'm gonna keep it to myself but she did tell Orianche, she did approach us specifically. She was like, Orianche, I need you to, when the next time you see the Warrior of Light, tell them to meet me in Wineport because I've got some shit going on. So she did involve people, but very, very consciously keeping Alphano out of the loop. The multitude of people who this actually affects, who are, uh, well, you know, the city the states. The entire population. And I, it, it, yes. This was completely irresponsible. <laughs> but I do just want to point out that this kind of comes back into a neat bow at the end because her keeping them in the dark has allowed them to do this cover up with a lot more simplicity than if they had told high ranking grand to- company members totally. and so on. And I, I think, OK, one, I don't think that was by design. That just that's just the way it worked out. Um, and luckily it worked out. You know, I, I know, like, Alize, like, she is fully capable of applying stratagems and, you know, thinking multiple steps ahead. But I don't think she did that on purpose so, because she knew that eventually a secret would need to be kept. Yes, from, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, but it might have been she didn't really know what it was that she was going to find down there. And maybe it was like, a, maybe we loop the appropriate people in when we figure shit out kind of a thing. And the deeper we went, the more people we did kind of loop in. And like I think once we got involved, she was just like, oh, "I'm good. I got the warrior light. We're fine." Sure, I'd say though that a lot of these people were brought in not with her blessing. Like Orion J brought in Rambrose and Alfino, and then Alfino brought in other individuals, including the uh, other retainer. Like, well, okay, so Alize and Orion J are very familiar with with one another. They go they go way back. You know, they're they're Charlians. Um, so. It, that may have been kind of her like tacit endorsement of allowing other people in, to get involved as long as Orianje vetted them and deemed it appropriate. I don't think that's true because she gets pissed at him for letting someone else in even before we know Alfino was the one that he involved. Because in the lead up to Final Coil, she's mad yeah, at him well, for having brought in an unknown period. Kind of. But I mean, again, Orianje is like, I would I would trust him with my life, frankly. Yeah, she's going to get pissed off, but she's 16, and again, this is her working out some, like, fucking her neuroses. Yeah, she's going to get butthurt about it, and Uriange is kind of like, I don't want to have this conflict right now, but at the same time, this was a thing I needed to do, because I needed fucking help. That's interesting, Jen, because I wouldn't, frankly, trust Uriange for shit. And we can't talk about this now. (sighs) But But we will come back to this later on. We definitely will. But... (laughs) I know what you're talking about. Moogle, 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 whatever. Oh, God. I, I strongly disagree. Fine. Save that fucking venom for the future <clears throat> when we can talk about it. In a year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, though, it's it's very narratively convenient um, that it works out this way in a sense. It and, absolutely and, is. But yes. that said, I still can't condone the act of Alice having left out the numerous stakeholders for this goings on totally agree out of personal pride totally agree accidentally it worked out yes but yep you know uh so two wrongs made a right 
but not on purpose. <laughs> yeah, don't, uh, you know, go to therapy instead. Don't beat Bahamut. Jen, do you have any further thoughts on coils overall before we wrap up? I love Elise. She's my girl. And I love that this is Elise's story. And I was like, oh, I, I love this character immediately. We don't then, get to see Alize until much later on because, I know. It's so and, and also she has had her transformation because if you're doing MSQ only, you see her and she is transformed, like both physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is the Coil story, right? So this again, we said it beforehand. This is Alize's backstory. This is it. This is the formational moment for her, yes, to become Alize. So if you don't do this and you have strong feelings about Alize, fuck you. Fuck you. You don't know her. Oh, wow. You actually went there. (laughs) (laughs) Get yourself educated. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's all. Okay. Well, thank you again to everyone who helped us with these episodes. Yes, thank you. We couldn't have done them without the many players who ran coils with us, both synced and unsynced. Yeah, we rocked it out for sure. Thank you all. And thanks to those who hung out with us while we made copious notes after each cutscene. And thank you again to Daniel, who spoke with us at length about the Savage Coils experience and also was invaluable during the synced runs with his experience. Indeed. Everyone's great. Everyone's great. Thanks one last time. Yeah. So, Jen, next time we are changing it up with some armorer. No! Here we go. Disciples of the Hand once again. Yeah. It's been a million years. It has been six episodes of Coils. Whew. Let's get some armor going. Here we go. So we'll see you then. And that will do it for today's episode. Thank y'all again so much for listening and being you and being there. Uh, if you want to get in touch, you can at podreturnffxiv at gmail.com. Check the show notes for our Discord. You can meet some of the awesome people that have helped us out on these runs and have offered uh, lore exposition. <laughs> and uh, you can share screenshots and make friends, and it's a, an amazing group of people. And we also have our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash pod return ffxiv we're just doing like you know a buck a month you get access to uh some additional content we talk about seasonal events we actually talk about the final fantasy 14 card game final trading fantasy. final fantasy trading card game <sighs> don't get it twisted 14 edition yes uh we have thoughts on that there's a special guest involved but yeah if you want to throw us a tip we would super super appreciate it with that we hope you enjoyed the episode have a good day or a night And we will see you next time. For the future of Eorzea!